just started recording Nicholas. Um, so just a background, man. I just came across your stand-up maybe last week. And, um, you know, they say that on YouTube, Google messes up the algorithm and, get, and throws you things you don't want to see. But as of late, YouTube's been uh, pretty good. It shows me everything that I want to see. Uh, and uh, I'm I'm all for uh, your style of comedy, um, especially poking fun at the last three years. Uh, thank you very much, man. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, the 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 gods of algorithm have been also kind to me because it looks like my video is reaching a, a lot of people. It's it's been quite surprising for me as well. Maybe. Uh, I don't know how it works. Uh, maybe a handful of um, people with very good networks shared it, and that went expo- exponential from there on. But I can't really complain. Or I thought, who knows? Maybe YouTube is so busy censoring, I don't know, anti-vaxxers that they just let this one slip under their ra- their radar. <laughs> right. No, I I saw it and I was like, okay. He he's he's going to be a big name in a couple years, um, especially if he keeps putting out content like this. Because there's a huge market, especially in the United States, uh, that wants this type of uh, comedy. And I'm like, if he'll if he'll jump on the podcast, that'd be great because I know in a very short amount of time he's going to be too busy for unknown podcasts. Oh, from your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> Thank you anyway. I, I appreciate your invitation. Yeah, man. Um, so I wanted to ask, so living in London, you're from Italy, correct? That's right. When did you move to London? I moved to London in tw- 2009 after spending a year in Germany in between. And I I moved to London to do this job for a television channel called BBC Persian, because I also speak Persian, my parents being uh, Iranians, although I was born in Italy myself. So basically that's, that's why I moved to London. And since then I've become a naturalized Brit as well. But on the side, I started doing a bit of comedy in 2017. I always liked it for different reasons. And of course, London is a big hub, uh, maybe like New York. Um, and um, it's, it's, it's big. And stand-up has gone big. There's more offer than demand, actually, which is another, <laughs> it can be another topic. But anyway, I, I started that and um, gradually um, tried to commit more to it but then you know the pandemic happened uh i i i have a couple of kids my 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 second daughter was born uh, just over a year ago so i haven't been very prolific and then i've you know had run-ins with my with my day job which i ultimately i had to leave because they were not happy with my brand of conservative right-leaning comedy at all as you can imagine mainstream media uh, mostly inhabited by by lefty journalists so um and, and it was very it was very um and frustrating of course because on the one hand as a new comic you want as much exposure as you can get but then the risk was always uh have, having it issues with your bosses because the, the bigger you get the, the, the more likely it is for the bosses to come to know about the situation and in fact that's what exactly happened in 2020 um, right at the beginning of the pandemic or at the, at the start anyway um, the the spectator website you know the spectator being a very, very reputable conservative publication in the UK they uh, ran an article on their website uh, called uh, the best unwoke comedy to watch in lockdown and I was flattered to be one of the four comics to be featured on that. Uh, I was the only one who had no TV credits among them. 
and uh, wouldn't you know it the article found itself uh, found its way to my boss's desk you know and uh, of course brexit had happened trump had happened so i had serious divergences with with our newsroom with the colleagues and uh, there were people who you know hated my guts and so <laughs> so I, I i ended up in a disciplinary uh, procedure and uh, i got a final written warning so i had to leave that job um which gave me um, more margin or more, you know, safety to uh, try comedy, to dedicate more of my time. It didn't happen exactly because, as I said, my, my daughter was born <laughs> shortly after I left the job. But then I did this routine uh, in January, um, but I made the video public only um, three or four weeks ago. And suddenly it went, you know, skyrocketed, at least by my standards. So now it has um, just over 600,000 views. Uh, so, so it has been nice. But that's basically the story in a nutshell. Well, I, I've got goosebumps just hearing your story because I know a lot of people have experienced similar things um, that, that you experienced with your job. Um, I've experienced certain certain things living in Los Angeles, uh, and being uh, having the sa- the same views. Um, and I want to do whatever I can do to promote your work, um, because I know how difficult it is to do what you're you're doing. Thank you, man. In the environment that we're all living in, um, because you will lose your job. Um, and there's going to be a big transition period between losing your job and then creating a full-time income from your stand-up, right? Correct. Yes. And uh, if at all, yeah. But yeah, yeah. If at all. I mean, I'm I'm freelancing, doing um, small jobs, so it's not still my main source of income. But that's the idea to to pursue. Right. But, but when you speak your mind, uh, and it's the opposite of the mainstream media, um, it's going to be harder to find those jobs um, just to make rent, take care of your family, um, until you can, you can find a way to monetize your, your stand-up. You know what I mean? So anything I can do to promote that, because... Uh, That's right. And, 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 and your perspective... Like, there's a lot of, like, I'm from the South in the United States. So, I don't know if you're familiar with the regions of the United States, but in the South, way more conservative. Right? And uh, I live in Los Angeles now. Uh, which, which state are, are you originally from? North Carolina. Right, okay. And uh, I've been in Los Angeles for about maybe nine years now, eight or nine years, and I'm a personal trainer. Um, but I moved out to Los Angeles because I was a I was a film major in college. Nice. Yeah, I was a film major in college, and uh, I was a screenwriter. So uh, L.A. or New York is where you want to go for that kind of stuff. And uh, I was doing some acting out here. And um, I got so tired of the culture that uh, I was just like, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm not going to, to you know, <clears throat> try to play the game. I'll do my podcast. I'll, I'll do my writing on my own. And um, because it is, a, uh, it is a business where if, we don't, if you don't share the same ideas, we're going to ostracize you and you're not going to get in. You're not in the group. Yeah, exactly. Um, obviously, Los Angeles, um, London, New York—they are all comparable, right? Similar situation. Yeah, and what a lot of people I mean, don't. Thank God for YouTube and technology. That's what I was going to say. A lot of people don't understand, especially with the podcast with these platforms. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people don't understand uh, who live out in Los Angeles that 
half of our country thinks the opposite of you. <laughs> and there's a whole market for for people with the opposite viewpoint to create a business and to be and to find their support and their following uh of people who are interested in what you're saying. Um but when you're living in that uh in this thought bubble, you know, um this echo chamber, th- these people don't really th- they don't they don't understand that. Um but having been raised in the south and understanding that, I'm just like I'm not I'm just not going to play into it. I'm going to create my own my own way. And I'm in support of everybody else doing the same thing, and that's what you're doing. And I'm I, I love it. Thank you very much. Obviously, um, I am relatively um, a beginner, and for that and for the solidarity, because we need to stick together as well. That's what they do, especially when we are faced with a culture war and cancel culture. So we need to stick together. We need to promote each other, and we need to, you know, make our voice heard. Because as you said, half the country, or maybe just over half the country, because sometimes we do win, right? Right. right? Uh, I know you have electoral college in the U.S., so it's a different system. But um, when 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 Trump wins, or when Brexit wins, or if you look at the Italian government right now, and similar situations in Europe, some some um, inspiring signs, optimist uh, signs that give us some optimism. So it looks like it's quite a few of us. So we need to do this and we need to do this not just in comedy but also in terms of you know um, commercial products uh, you know what it's because it's it's everywhere it's just that the, the culture war is everywhere it's in, it's in advertising it's in universities of course it's in hollywood and it's in stand up comedy yeah absolutely um yeah um so i was wanting to tell you your style of comedy is I, I really enjoy it, but you know, so there's a time, there was a time when uh, very like liberal comedy was always the, uh, the highest, you know, most popular form of comedy in a way. And um, anytime that, you, you know, you would poke fun at conservatives, it would be, it what it would be kind of in anger or in meanness, you know what I mean? And uh, that that never makes a conservative want to listen to your <laughs> your comedy, you know. And at the end of the day, you want everybody to enjoy your comedy, right? It's comedy. We want to laugh. We want to laugh at each other and uh, not take each other so seriously. Um, and I always thought I was like, you know, it's not a you know being combative in comedy can take away from from uh, bridging the gap, so to speak, to the other side of an idea, right? And I feel like that's what you do so well, is you're not mean-spirited with your comedy, but very subtle, and you, you, you find the wit there that can bridge the gap with uh, people who have an opposing viewpoint, and it's more digestible. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you. I mean, not everybody agrees with you, but but that's what I'm aiming for because um, obviously you you want to be appealing to, um, ideally, you want to have a broad appeal, as broad as possible, uh, because that makes you more successful. And even if you are talking to your own base, Still, it has to stay comedy. It it can't become a lecture, or it can't be you know a, a speech to your you know fellow um, comrades who, who are going to of course cheer. And so, so yeah. that's 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 a pitfall, yeah. uh, which both sides actually can can fall into. Um, but it's important to to give a message which has been you know a bit sweetened or tampered because. At the end of the day, that is the purpose of comedy, and that is why comedy work uh, works. Because, and I an argument or a, a topic which can be very unpalatable, very okay. Abortion is the maybe 
most obvious example, but any other um, political topic can be a, a, a hard pill to swallow. And comedy sweetens that. And people have strong feelings about their, their politics, usually. So you need to uh, use the, um, uh, the sweet element of laughter, if you like, uh, or entertainment, um, the entertainment value, to, to sweeten the pill, as we say in, in Italian. Um, which, is, which is, of course, not, not easy, but historically, that was what comedy used to do. And in, in the olden days, you know, the court jester has some sort of impunity because he can say things that others don't dare, you know, say to the king because he has this, uh, you know, comedy or comedic defense, if you might call it like that. Now, with, with, with political comedy, it, it becomes uh, tricky for, for everything that I just said, but also because one side of the aisle is um, heavily involved in a cancel culture. So they don't let you um, express those views because those are illegitimate views. And one reason they are so harsh and one reason they are, as you mentioned, in their echo chambers or in their own bubble and they can't even perceive anyone outside of it is because well first because that is the the the, the main characteristic of the that's the effect of the bubble or the echo chamber of course by definition but the other reason is that they see themselves as the depository of truth so once you have a you know diverging opinion if you become a fascist or a Nazi, Nazi or Hitler, there's no legitimacy for you to express those those viewpoints. So in an ideal situation, maybe you should go to a comedy night when you have a couple of lefty comedians and a couple of right-leaning comedians and some maybe neutral comedians who do non-political stuff. It doesn't have to be always political. Or a mix, you know, a dig here, a dig there. You know, maybe you have a go at the left on this, you have a go on... Uh, at the right on that topic, or you have a go at both sides of the argument at the same time, and people agree with what they hear or not, or decide to laugh or not. You know, the, the, the beauty of this is that people, their verdict is immediate. It's not like other forms of art when you do some paintings, and if you're lucky, you're appreciated in your lifetime, otherwise maybe in a few centuries. But you can say, you know, this is my art, and if you don't understand it, you're stupid. Right. Uh, if if the if the comedian doesn't get laughs, uh, then he has failed. So it, the, the audience have the power. Um, but that's the idea. In comedy, just like in Hollywood or other areas, only one viewpoint has the right to express, uh, to be expressed. And right leaning or com- conservative or Christian com- comedians. They don't, it's, it's tough to win at competitions, it's tough to get into the competitions, it's tough to get specials, it's, it's, it's tough to get any TV time or, or credit, or at least that's my experience. I'd love to be, you know, uh, proven wrong, but we hear that the cancel culture does not exist. That's what they tell you. And right. you know, my personal experience, my email box begs to differ. At least that I'm sure of, right? you know, because they can't say, oh, you didn't make it to TV because you sucked. Yeah. Okay, maybe, because it's subjective. You can't prove it. Right. But, but I know that I was canceled from, from different clubs and also from, from my day job. So, so that I'm sure of. Yeah. Can't argue yeah, with po- the, your experience. Politics and political comedy is a, is a strange beast. Yeah, well, and and that uh, that makes me want to ask you, when it comes to pursuing comedy in this way, which is very difficult, um, because if not done in a way that you can make the opposing view laugh, you're not going to have stage time. Period. Mm. Right? If you're just approaching your base uh, who agrees with you. You know, you're not going to be able to bridge that gap that we were talking about. So when it comes to getting out of your own way with creating your comedy, what has kind of surfaced for you that you've realized about yourself 
that uh, you've had to navigate to to figure out how to find those laughs while you know exposing certain things that a liberal-minded person is uncomfortable with. Yeah, that's a very intriguing challenge, right? Um, that's another aspect that I like about this. Uh, because obviously you want to get laughs and uh, you, if, if people who are like-minded or in your own camp uh, laugh at you, it's, it's very good. But ideally you want to get laughs from the other side or from the so-called undecided. Um, a, a, a comedian that I really like and admire, a, an American comic, uh, he, he lives in the UK. His name is Will Franken. And I went to a couple of his workshops and sometimes had the, the honor of sharing the stage. Obviously, he's ahead of me. But, but Will Franken, um, of whom I have also an interview, uh, not with me, but elsewhere on my channel uh, about comedy and political comedy. Uh, he said the best laughs are the ones that you, you know, sort of get out of these lefties against their will, right? Yeah. So, the, the, the joke is so good that they, they almost can't resist laughing. I mean, that's the ideal scenario. Uh, but we should also remember that you can, it's not necessarily always that difficult because you can have people who maybe define themselves to be in the left, uh, on the left side or liberal or maybe, for example, pro-choice, and they can still enjoy part of your comedy or some of your jokes as i do because you know guess what i'm in london and i listen to stand-up comedy watch stand-up comedy okay how many right-wing comedians do you think i get you know uh, on, on on mainstream tv or even on youtube right so it's just a handful uh, more or less so you you do have these open-minded people and those are the best comments that that you get maybe in person but also on youtube people say you know what uh, i am actually pro-choice but this guy is funny or some of those jokes made me think and by the way not everybody has a uh, hard and fast uh, well-made opinion on on every issue right because you you, you might be pro-life but also have some doubts or under what conditions and that that used to be the the argument when i was younger the the the, the argument that the debate was about okay after how many weeks is this a person right right but now the argument guess what has become my body my choice right right so it doesn't matter yeah so but if you talk about immigration if you talk about abortion if you talk about um, taxes nobody's or nobody. Few people are 100% left, 100% right. You might be pro-guns, but also pro-choice, or the other way around. You might be maybe pro-life, but not not so much uh, pro-Second Amendment. So if people are open-minded and tolerant, and these are the values that the so-called liberals uh, supposedly preach, they can still enjoy the comedy or part of it and and that's what we are aiming for but then in in reality yes sometimes it's a bit it's a bit challenging uh, i'd say the risk of me only preaching to my base is not a real risk me living in london so uh, maybe the youtube uh, um, sphere sort of balances it out and that's what i joke about when i when i'm when i kind of bombing or it's not going as well as I uh, maybe expect and it happens um, quite a lot <laughs> I say you know what some of these jokes are for my YouTube and, <laughs> yeah, and the right. audience usually laughs and it's true and yeah. then people yeah. on YouTube say yeah we exactly like these ones yeah. the, 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 the harder you bomb the funnier the video is for, for us to watch so 100%. it's almost a win-win situation right yeah so so, so, so if, if, if I don't do well, I say, you know what, in, in, in South Carolina, this, this kills. I, mean, I haven't been there yet, but, yeah. but that's the plan. That's true. It's true. It's true, man. You got a, you got a bunch of fans there. Um, so it, I want to ask you, you know, um, comedy, a lot of comedy is using logic, um, and exposing logical fallacies 
and certain, you know, certain things like that, but also appealing to emotion and the balance of, of those two, um, is something that you really do well, um, when you're, when you're performing, not only when you're writing, but I can, I can tell when you're performing as well. Um, and, and what do you think about those two things when it comes to comedy, logic and emotional appeal to like an idea? Yeah, um, one of the things I joke about, and it it, it it usually gets laughs, is that I I present myself as a as a conservative or right wing comic, um, and I say you know maybe halfway through or, or early on depends. I say, do, are you enjoying this right wing comedy? Uh, right wing comedy is very much factual, fact based, or what I lack in audience sympathy, I make up in accuracy and logic. Yeah. Because you have to be bulletproof, and it's—I mean, there's truth in it. Because yes. if you are going with unpopular views or jokes based on unpopular views, um, unpopular at least in that geographical area, you have to be bulletproof, right? Yeah, at least your 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 logic needs to be sound. So, without trying to be preachy or you know looking down on people or uh, coming off as arrogant, I try to you know know offer a brand of smart comedy but still you need to be smiling and you need to be you know try to i i don't know how much i can control that maybe that's an area i need to work on um but nobody has told me you know you are standoffish or you know uh, aloof or 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 distant thankfully that hasn't been my problem sometimes they say oh you are a bit low energy and i think you know a right-wing message and high energy and shouty that that doesn't maybe go down (laughs) very well no, you might as well just uh, grow a but mustache. Yeah, uh, with, with, with logic, <laughs> yeah, exactly. With logic, I'm, I'm all for it because, again, it's the, it's the, if you're talking about satire, you know, one element is to point out all these incongruences, all these um, uh, uh, basically uh, internal, internal logical conflicts. Like when I joke and I say, you know, I believe in, uh, I want to do something for the planet. I'm trying to believe in climate change. But the same people who tell us climate change is real also tell us that Islam is the religion of peace. <laughs> right. right. So, so the logic or the logical element is that, okay, they, they've been lying to us on everything, right? Um, the, the Trump dossier has just come out. There, yep. There's some joke in there um or i think babylon b did that something similar you know uh, the, the same people who for five years or four years told us about the russian collusion are also telling us that uh, climate change is real that the demonstrations were mostly peaceful that the vaccine is perfect and uh, and you name it so so that's logic or or lack of logic, <laughs> right. right or the thing i do at the beginning of uh, my my pro-life routine. I say, how come it was bad when Nazis did it? They they killed unborn babies because these babies would have been an inconvenience. And it's okay when Karen from accounting does it because it's an inc- inconvenience to her. If, if anything, the Nazis had a more valid reason, you know, reuniting the country, <laughs> the yeah. Versailles Treaty was was too harsh on them. So... So I think I think it's funny, and I think the joke is there because oh the, yeah, the, 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 some people find it preachy, but I'm not really well. It is it might come off as preachy, and of of course they are entitled to their their opinion. By no means, as we discussed, my my intention is to be preachy because then it's not comedy. So I'll be totally, you know, discrediting and disqualifying myself. Uh, of course, it's it's about a a moral conundrum and it's a big controversial issue so it might come off as preachy but i think that the the joke is there because you know comparing this with with what what nazis did you know which they did yes but you're also doing (laughs) and then i go for you know comparing the two reasons okay these these guys have lost territories and they were blamed for you know being the only guilty part in the first world war which was not true and their, their economy was crushed and now they have german speakers living under you know uh other other nations because of you know they they, they they they've been 
removed from their fatherland and and so they have to make rights make things right and win back their territory and they can't take care of these you know uh, so-called undesirable babies so if that was wrong what they did how come you 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 get rid of your undesirable baby because because you want to keep going out with colleagues and 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 buy expensive cocktails in central london so right so um i don't know Uh, obviously the, the the tricky thing when you do political comedy is that uh, if people like it, you, you have to s- establish if it's because of the validity of the joke or because these people are simply on your on your side and they have so much thirst to hear these arguments in a comedy setting or any setting. Yeah, that that they kind of laugh at you. Uh, is is that it? I hope it's not the case because then you see the lefty comedians and c- comedian after comedian comes and, and makes jokes and 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 you know it, right? And 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 some people do laugh and I think to myself, okay, these these jokes they are not that good in the first place and they are so tired, so they must be laughing just because they they enjoy the message. Yeah. And I don't want that to be the case for me. Well, it's not for me to say, obviously. Well, at the end of the day, it's subjective. Well, I'll tell but, you. I'll tell you. Sorry, I digress. But to get back to, 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 your, to your question, logic is, 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 is very important, especially when you're a right-wing comedian. Right, yeah. Well, I'll tell yeah, you my, my, my opinion, and you are, your jokes are, are good. <laughs> it's, it's not because... Uh, you know, I want I've I've wanted to find someone who is who is expressing these views in a comedic way. Um, that's true, but the way that you're doing it is very unique, and uh, and I think I think um, I think you'll you'll realize that. But I think that's part of being you know as as self critical as you are. You know, you are trying the 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 amount of effort you're putting into to the joke is present in your performance. So, you know, you're, I think you're always going to feel that way, right? Yeah, well, you know, well, first of all, you always doubt yourself. And I think to, to, to a certain extent, for anybody and in any sector is a good thing because you, you need to doubt yourself and be, you know, uh, autocritical, if you like. Um, the the issue that a right wing or conservative comic can have, which is a bit of an obstacle, a uh, bit of a problem, is of course this is this this craft is all about stage time and uh, repeating these jokes to you know be able to hone them and 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 and, and polish them and improve them because you know it's comedy timing one word you you replace one word with a synonym, you know, it can have a bit better impact or a tone, you name it, right? And of course, it's, it's hard to find real stage time with, with real people in front of you doing the sort of material that I do in, in a place like London. And secondly, when you do find that stage time, when people don't laugh, is it because they have made a conscious choice to shut them, themselves down to you? Because like, I'm not gonna, you know, laugh at this, this fascist. Right? How dare he say, you know, too much immigration can be a problem, um, or because the joke is not really good enough yet? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's a challenge. And um, well, I've I've tried to you know turn also that into a joke. So I say, you know, I'm I'm the at the end of the the, the routine I say okay I thanks for listening or you've been a great crowd and I have been the funniest right-wing co- comic of this lineup or the funniest right-wing comic you've seen this month you know yeah which is kind of true isn't it yeah um so I say yeah this is this is the the, the trouble is that I don't have other co- uh, conservative comics to steal jokes from <laughs> and but the good thing is that I'm one of the best in my field <laughs> right so, so there, there are a series of jokes that you can do about this and and i think so basically i think it's it's, it's, a, it's a way of turning this problem into an opportunity so i say okay i'm, I'm the funniest right-wing 
comic in the UK unless you know Alistair Williams, in which case I'm the second funniest writer in comic in the UK, which is still very impressive, right? Right, yeah, yeah. So um, it's, it's, it's good. In a, <laughs> well, I might be the third one, but you know, it's, 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 it's funny. These, I mentioned double standards and, and then I, I don't digress. I just mentioned this for this question, but uh, sometimes promoters who ban you, at least they have the, the courage to say, you know, I don't like this and uh, sorry. Okay. Uh, but sometimes they try to come up with excuses like, I was, I'm not, I'm not against right wing, but you were not funny. And I'm like, well, I'm not supposed to be funny. This is an open mic. And this is why you don't pay me. Yeah. Do you pay none of us? Because this is an open mic. Yeah. And none of us is getting a penny because we are not supposed to be good. We're just supposed to be practicing. Yeah. And you're selling tickets for this night, no less. But anyway, still you're not paying us because the idea is this is, you know, a development opportunity for us. But anyway, and there was this other guy. I, I did this joke, uh, something like, uh, yeah, what I just said. I'm The problem with being a right-wing comic is that I can't copy any material from nobody. But, but the upside is that um, I'm the only one and I'm the best one. And after the show, uh, this promoter who later banned me because I was pro-Trump, he says, you claim to be the only right comic in the UK but you can't say that you are inaccurate because there's also Andrew Lawrence and Leo Kers uh, okay so, so I was I was wrong by a factor of two other comics you're saying that there's three of us in the whole kingdom yeah it's it's, it's an act it didn't have yeah. to be uh, the point was there right you know and the joke was there right but yeah he was sort of you know validating my point which was obviously you know when, when, when somebody talks about, I don't know, their evil mother-in-law, it's not like they are really evil, right? Or is there's they can they can be hyperbole, but but yeah. Um, so that that risk is always there. That uh, or or that um, you know um, problem that if people are not laughing, is it because I'm not good yet or is it because they have decided to punish me? And if people are laughing, is it because the joke is really good or because these people have been, you know, lampooned and insulted by, by mainstream <laughs> media uh, as, as racist, Brexiteers, ignorant, you know, misogynist, you name it? That they are they are just enjoying my message and they are laughing because of that, so so that's something to to take into account. Yeah, well, even if that is true, hopefully that will give you more stage time to make the jokes even better. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 the idea. Um, I um, I. It's like, you know, when you do statistics or or polls, you have to correct for some variables, right? For some margin of error. I don't know if it's the, uh, the, what what the exact term is, but you have to take those, you know, margins and those variations or variable into account to to adjust your final finding. So. My idea is, I haven't got a formula for it, but my idea is, okay, if this joke is doing well in liberal London, then it might kill in a more conservative area. So yep. it looks like I've, 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 I've reached it. I've reached the, 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 the right formula. And if this doesn't work in this liberal you know, setting, maybe it's not, as I was just saying, maybe, maybe it's still good. Let's see. Let's see how it does elsewhere. Yeah. Maybe it will do better on YouTube or in a more conservative setting. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're really on to something because you really do need to perform in enemy territory, right? To, to see if you can really find the joke, yeah. you know, but then also you do need to, you need to go around people that share your beliefs, share similar ideas so that you can, you know, you can be emboldened by that by your performances to even reach further 
into your, uh, you know, into your talent. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that gives you the reassurance that, you know, if you are touring, people who know you will come to see you. And of course, it's going to be a more, uh, you know, favorable territory. So so that's that's what you need. People who, who like you, obviously people who, uh, I'm not saying this is true of, of me right now because I haven't toured or I'm not that big, uh, at least not yet, but but uh, I'm not big at all. But But you need to have your own followers and fans and you need to also be try to you know appealing to the new trolls or people on the other side who are maybe curious to see what uh, what this is all about i mean and it, it it has happened to me also in a in a smaller scale like i'm, I'm i was doing this small french festival in uh, in london um and okay, I, I promoted this as a right wing comic, which which it was, uh, you know, right wing comedy. And I also had a couple of people who came and said, you know, we are, you know, lefties or liberals or labor party supporters, but we just came out to check this out. And then they were polite and they were, they were nice and they were curious. And, and this is nice. I mean, this is what, what it's supposed to be, right? Or maybe this is what it used to be. Uh, but, um, but yeah, it's not always like that. But you need to you need to have your own base, but also appeal or or strive to appeal to a broader base. Yeah, yeah, man, I, I totally get it. I uh, I did uh, stand up for about two years out here, um, just a few times. Um, I did uh, the iconic comedy store, right, um, and uh, the improv. You know the uh, yeah. Yeah, the improv in Pasadena, and um, the only I was a buddy of mine uh, headlined, and uh, he got me in, and uh, it was an incredible you know opportunity. Um, but I, but but when I was in that environment, I realized this is not this is not an environment that is welcoming to anything that uh, that I've got to say, but also a motivator to find a way to get what I have to say or, or what I'm trying to do out there with in my own way, with more control on my end. And like we were talking about YouTube podcasts, social media. I mean that it's, it's so important right now um, to, uh, to be able to get there Um, because I mean, you, you've probably seen as well, Nicholas, that stand up comedians who, don't necessarily get into big rooms, create a following online, and then all of a sudden, hey, I've got 500,000 followers. I, I can bring a lot of people to your venue, book me book me at your comedy store, and then you're automatically in. And it's like, you know, you, you see a lot of exactly. comics, you see a lot of comics that aren't necessarily as good, but they build that following online so that they can get on stage and get better. And I don't, I don't knock that at all. I'm like, I'm in full support of that. Whatever you can do to get on stage to get better, that's the goal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it has the added benefit of getting where you initially couldn't, couldn't get, as you uh, perfectly explained. And it also can be a source of income with, with revenues, with merch, uh, uh, it can be a source of, uh, you know, pride and confidence because, you know, it can be it can be depressing out there for anybody, uh, even for a non-political comic. But if you don't get stage time, or if you get stage time, but then you are you're banned under the excuse that yeah, you know, we don't mind different opinions, but you are not funny, and of course you are not supposed to be funny at that stage, uh, not always anyway. Uh, so having your own following gives you some validation, not just in the eyes of the gatekeepers of the clubs or TV shows, but also gives you, you know, self-validation because you think, oh, may- maybe I'm doing something right because, you know, these people are following me. These people like my message. So, and in a way, of course, it's something that in a way is better because I get comments from India, Australia, it's internet, right? People mm-hmm. say, oh, come over to Sydney, come over to uh, to to Finland, uh, diff- 
different places. So they they give you feedback, they give you comments, they, they give give you jokes, you know, <laughs> yeah. to try. So it's it's a beautiful thing, and and no wonder you know, uh, cancel culture is targeting these platforms as well. Right. It it, it it's sort of dem- democratization of of um, of of stand. Just like politics, or you know, why why did they hate you know Trump and social media and Facebook and the after Zuckerberg and and so on and so forth? Because Trump said, you know what, I don't need CNN. I I talk to people on Facebook, and then they said, oh, Facebook made Trump win. You know, well, Facebook made an offer to Hillary as well. Yeah, that's not digress, but you know, it it has so. It's no longer these TV producers, all of whom are lefties, who are the gatekeepers of your fame and success and confidence and, yes. and popularity, right? It's, it's still hard because it's not broadcasting in that sense. You know, the algorithm has to be on your side and you need to know how to do it. Maybe you need to be lucky, but in, like in any uh, business. But we have a, a new avenue, right? And the fact that maybe sadly, the stand-up scene, the clubs as we knew them, or as people before us knew them, right. are sort of dying out, right? Yeah. Because it's not as big a deal as it used to be, because we have people now have cable TV and Netflix and YouTube and so on and so forth. So there's also more more appeal and people are more likely to sit at home and maybe browse something on 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 the internet on YouTube or on, on, on other platforms. So so thank God for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to ask you a couple more questions. So I don't want to take too much of your time, buddy. But uh, as far as your writing process, when when it comes to to writing, what do you what do you usually do? Um, do you, do you watch somebody? Do you, are you, in, you just watch somebody for inspiration and kind of, you know, kind of designate some time to write or, or is it more of a all through the day you're thinking, okay, okay, that, and you write down, what's your process? Uh, that's a very good question. To be honest, one of my concerns is that my process maybe is not very well defined. And That's Okay. Uh, uh, maybe it's because I wasn't very prolific to start with because I always had this day job and I was doing this on the side and then again, pandemic happened and then I have two two small children, four years and, and one year. I've been doing different jobs. Um, and of course, when you don't get a lot of stage time as we were discussing it's not very conducive to, you know, the urge to come sit down and, and write. And uh, maybe also you, you get a bit complacent uh, because you think it's, it's a creative process. So the juices are not flowing now, maybe tomorrow. But yeah, so I'm not, I'm not that disciplined. Like, okay, this is the time I want to dedicate every day or, you know, right. to, uh, to writing. My process, if you like, is... Uh, trying to think about stuff in my head, even when I'm listening to other comedians. I think, okay, maybe I can do something in, in this area myself. And if I'm on the train, uh, which which happens a lot in, in London, I write stuff on my phone, then I come back, revisit them, and when I'm walking from the station to, to, to that, those, those moments in which uh, I'm on my own, um, I... I, I basically flirt and play with these jokes in my head and try to see how they how they sound and then and when i think they are maybe reasonably good i go and do a small open mic here and there and try to gauge the reaction and then um and then as i said try to you know correct for the potential uh, margin of error which is maybe hostile environment or, you know, it's a small open mind. You know, you know, there are a lot of factors, right? It's not the right time of the year or the venue is noisy or the, the crowd is, uh, you know, mostly comics. All these things that can, can uh, should be considered by, by any comic, not just somebody who, who does political comedy. Uh, 
so that's that. Now, as I'm becoming hopefully a bit maybe um, more successful, maybe I need to also work on my process, makes it be a bit more disciplined and uh, <laughs> dedicate more time to writing and um, and make it a bit more you know um, structured if you like yeah um, well another thing is that <laughs> i used to have this friend um uh, from new york um, he wasn't necessarily conservative but um we were friends and he was trying this uh, in london as well but then he he moved back to new york uh, so and one of his suggestions was, you know, let's get to, together and, and write together. I don't know how well it works. Um, it's, it's definitely worth a try. But finding people with a similar style who can sit with you and, and write similar stuff and give feedback, that's also a bit of a challenge, right? Um, well, you got one right here. To have maybe even one. <laughs> yeah, okay. Great. Great. I'll, I'll take you on that offer. Definitely. Yeah, man. I, uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy, um, your, uh, obviously very well read philosophically and theologically. And you mentioned some Latin and you mentioned some references to, uh, I come off like that, but <laughs> well, Hey, that's my perception. So it, it worked. It worked. Thank God. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I mean, obviously, I'm not Ill, I'm not illiterate, <laughs> but you know, my my, my favorite comic, uh, probably the my my absolute favorite comic right now. Uh, unfortunately, I never had the chance to meet him in person. Uh, was Norm Macdonald. Yeah. And one of the things I liked about him was that he 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 was very knowledgeable, but he always had this semi persona that he's. He's the, an average guy who doesn't know many words. Uh, you know, of, of course, he, he was joking, but yeah. but he had he had this you know aura about him. You knew deep down he was very knowledgeable, but he was very humble, and his act was also somebody who is very you know down to earth and and approachable. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I I knew I know a bit of Latin because I speak Italian, but I never studied Latin classic yeah geography history and different backgrounds i try to incorporate that because at, at the end of the day those are things are are um the things i i like and and right. and it's easier to to work them into comedy obviously yeah um but maybe i come off as more knowledgeable than i actually am no i mean i that makes sense you're interested in it you know, I mean, I'm I'm interested in those things. So when I hear someone talk about it, I'm like, okay, cool, awesome. Somebody finds this interesting as much as my as me do as I do, or you know, something like that. Um, what was I gonna say? Um, damn, what were you saying? You were saying something about. Uh, oh man, I, I lost my train of thought. Mm. Damn. Don't you hate that? Um, philosophy and uh, yeah, it happens to all of us. Oh, Norm, Norm, I saw him perform at the Comedy Store, maybe a ye- oh, with, yeah. within like a year oh, wow. before he died. And um, I don't, I don't know if he ever put this joke out okay. there. So I, I envy you a lot now. <laughs> I, I and it was a it was a drop in performance too. I went there with my yeah, girl. Joke? Yeah, he dropped in. It wasn't even on the the bill. Okay. Yeah, so it was. We were there to see Joe Rogan and Brennan Schaub and uh, some other comedians came on, but then Norm dropped in and he did fifteen minutes. And I, he was not like he was not doing well to the main to the main audience. I was dying. He was not. He was not, but I was dying. Like, because I love Norm, and I get his style. And a lot of the people that were there were of a younger generation that were there for, you know, Whitney Cummings, Brennan Schaub, and Joe Rogan, right? So Norm comes on stage, and he's like, hey, he's like, um, you know, 
I just uh, just read that uh, they uh, they just found historical evidence for uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, he was a real guy. Um, but there was another guy, uh, Jesus H. Christ, and uh, he uh, <laughs> he had a horrible time. Because everybody was associating him with this this other Jesus guy, <laughs> and I it just like five minutes on Jesus H Christ, I was dying. Yeah, he he, he was he was special, wasn't he? I mean, yeah, I I I listened to tons of again. God bless you to all these um, old videos that people dig up. Yeah. Especially after he he passed away, yeah. But yeah, I I, I like his style a lot, and uh, yeah, as you said, he wasn't always doing well, which which goes to show you that's also you know uh, there's a lesson there. But he, he was very funny, not not pretentious, um, probably politically more you know in in our on our side than than the other one, yeah. Which 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 helps, you know, if you one like somebody, yeah, uh, this clashes with the view, and you know, <laughs> yeah, um, definitely he he was a Christian, and you know, yeah, uh, in terms of the values, so what's not to like? Exactly, I agree. Um, and last question, I'll get you out of here. I know you, you your kids might have been woken up by uh, our podcast or or something, but um. As far as uh, growing up as a Christian, did you was it a part of the family or? No, by by now they are fast asleep. Okay. Thankfully, good. Did you hear that I'm question? Sorry, I quite didn't catch the, the so question. As, as far as uh, being Is a Christian, what was part of the family? So Christianity. Was that a part of your, how you were raised, or did you come to it later in life? Uh, not, not really. Um, um, you know, my, my parents were actually Iranian, so technically they were Muslims, even not practicing. Um, but I was born in Italy, so I was familiar with the with the ideas and with the you know worldview and. Uh, as time went by, especially after having spent time in the Middle East as well, I did my high school years there. And also, in a way, because of this vicious, you know, wave of um, Christian bashing or, you know, Christianity bashing, which obviously you're familiar with. It looks like they are the only target. So I became a bit more and more you know, uh, resolute in my sympathies for Christianity because, um, and again, I don't know, this this must be norm. Like, um, even if you don't necessarily um, see yourself as a Christian, you must like Jesus Christ. I mean, what, what is not yeah. uh, to like, you know, give, give to God what belongs to God and to Caesar, you know, separate state and religion and he who is without sin you know who who can argue with that right so and and the idea um and again this is this is a norm quote for sure and it says he likes christianity because it, it puts a child in the center of of its worldview that's that's a baby jesus right speaking of pro-life and pro-choice so um but um the, 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 maybe the most appealing idea uh, about uh, Christianity for me was that it's about a God who makes himself in the human's image, you know, a God who is so approachable and who loves the, its, its creature or his creature. And nowadays, we need to also you know, make God gender fluid, which is another uh, issue at least here with the church of england yeah. um, there's some jokes I there bash a bit in my latest routine yeah, yeah definitely but um um in, because in my, the, the latest routine that i did the, that has something it has something 
well, half of about about five minutes about the king, uh, the king's coronation. He was, uh, here we have Church of England, so which I make fun of, uh, and it's a, you know Church of England has has come up with this idea to be discussed that maybe in some prayers God can be you know uh, assigned the female gender. And uh, then they say, okay, what about this? The, the, the father's prayer, maybe the first line will be omitted. They still have to discuss it, but the idea has now, you know, gained traction. At least it will be discussed. So anyway, among all other things. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a funny church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, let's, 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 <laughs> let's get back to the, to the track. Um, God um makes himself or transforms it in, in, in himself in the image of first of all he, he creates the, the 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 man in his image and then he takes the image or the shape of a man and comes to pay us a visit right um or he creates his his son in our email uh how do you want to you want to look at it and this is obviously a very powerful message but the thing is the reason we have human rights here which is by the way a western culture is this it's a christian idea that humans are so valuable but why are they so valuable because they have been created in in god's image so whenever and this happens to me a lot because of my opinions and my comedy that when I go after Islam, they say, oh, but what about the Middle Ages? You know, so many people were killed before Europeans, you know, got rid of Christianity and now we are living in peace. It's, no, we, we didn't get rid of Christianity. We, we returned to Christianity because, first of all, Jesus didn't conduct any holy wars, unlike right. some other guys. I don't mention yeah. who. Because yeah. Maybe we want to monetize this video. <laughs> but... But we didn't abandon Christianity to, to come up with the concept of human rights. We have human rights because we say this being is worthy of respect because it has been created in God's image. So, so long story short, although I have not been technically Christian baptized, because I don't come from that, that kind of family and uh, I never got around to it myself, uh, so I'm not a practicing Catholic or Christian, if you like. I have I have the sympathies for the worldview, as you can see in my in my uh, some of my routines as well. And I have I have baptized my uh, my little da da daughters. So so yeah. So maybe technically I'm not in the flock, but uh, yeah. I'm there, you know, in in spirit and in in the, let's say worldview. Yeah. Uh, alignment and, and that it's also great that you know the apostle paul doesn't condone circumcision so you're still good <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> good point yeah there you go um well dude this was great um i uh i want to support uh your comedy as much as i can uh obviously we're going to stay in touch and um I know this is this is a, a this is definitely a teenager question, but do you have a TikTok? No. <laughs> do you? So yeah, man. So what's crazy is I was posting a lot of stuff on Instagram for a long time, didn't get any traction. Created the YouTube channel where I was putting my podcasts, barely got traction. Started posting things on TikTok and within six months grew to about 45,000 followers. So, okay, interesting. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like the, the tell as old as since TikTok was created, people, people have found a lot of traction on TikTok. And, um, you know, if you need help setting it up, let me know. Um, but I know for a fact your comedy would, uh, would explode on that just because of how the algorithm is it, it really shoots your stuff out to people who haven't seen it instead of you know only the people mm -hmm. that that follow you right yeah, i've had mixed feelings about tiktok i mean let's face it more negative than positive yeah yeah because 
because of the whole uh, China thing and yeah. this suspicion that, you know, um, and then I always thought the demographics, they are much younger. So are they going to like my stuff? But for the same reason, maybe one should go there because of that demographic, because they yeah. are our future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, it's all definitely As something Norm to think say, about. You know, What's that? I said, uh, Norm used to say, you know, they say children are our future, but they said the same thing. Uh, about me as well and it didn't work out (laughs) (laughs) I think it did work out because he left a big legacy but yeah that's that's the joke (laughs) yeah well man Nicholas this was great man Um, I I know for a fact I know for a fact your your stuff's gonna blow up it already has you said 600,000 views on that YouTube video yeah 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 my my most successful video by far yeah (laughs) my and you don't have that many out, right? How many videos do you have out? Um, no, maybe maybe 30. Okay, yeah. Awesome. 40, something like that. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk about getting you on yes, TikTok. So far, so good. We'll get you on TikTok. Sure. <laughs> I'm open to the idea. Yeah. Well, that's why I always just take pictures of my asshole so that China sees it. <laughs> Like if they're right. they're checking my phone, that's that's what they're gonna find. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's good. You know, I, make make them pay for it. Yeah, exactly. I don't put my face in the picture with my asshole, but you know, mm-hmm. that's where I that's say. Wise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, there's 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 so much I I need to learn from. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, I'll let you go. Enjoy your night, and uh, this was great, man. I wish you the best. Oh, uh, thank you very much for having me. Really appreciate it. Uh, let's let's stay in touch and enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Being in California, you still have some hours, right? I do. Thanks, man. Okay. Thank you very much. Take care.